This episode is brought to you by Dietz and Watson. Uh, Molly, it's time we have the talk about hot dogs. Oh, oh, okay. Well, hey, (laughs) I'm looking for a hot dog that's the real deal, Matthew. Like a classic hot dog that like when you think of like the platonic ideal of a hot dog, Mm -hmm. I recommend Dietz and Watson's Dietz Dogs. Ah, well, I've heard that they're handcrafted and made using only Dietz and Watson premium meat. I can vouch for this because Dietz and Watson sent us a big box of hot dogs and other delights. And wife of the show, Lori, and I had them for dinner last night. We had uh, the classic beef Dietz dogs with uh, toasted buns with sauerkraut and pickled jalapenos and Dietz and Watson ballpark style yellow mustard. Do you think you'd recommend Dietz and Watson hot dogs for fried rice? Oh, yeah. Fried rice with some sliced hot dogs. I'm going to be doing that soon. Wife of the show, Lori, is going to be making the hot dog flour buns from Christina Cho's cookbook, Mooncakes and Milk Bread. Very excited for this. Mm, And I'm especially pleased because Dietz and Watson does things the right way. So this means like no additives, no fillers, no artificial flavors, no cutting corners. You can feel good about this stuff. Dietz and Watson. It's a family thing since 1939. Shop now at Dietz slash the right way. That's Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z, and Watson.com slash the right way. I'm Matthew. And I'm Molly. And this is Spilled Milk, the show where we cook something delicious, eat it all, and I almost forgot the slogan halfway through <laughs> like you did a couple weeks ago. <laughs> wow. Uh, Yeah, Yeah, it's all really sinking in at this point. Like, uh, you know, just like whatever we need to do to to get through the episode, this part of this, this part of history. (laughs) Okay, maybe we need need a new slogan. Have any? Yes, there you go. All right. No, everything I just said was our new slogan. (laughs) It's it's like ninety seconds long. (laughs) It's very depressing. Okay, great. All right. uh, So this episode, uh, so we're calling it on the agenda here. We've called it go-to meals. I've been thinking of it as repertoire. Yes. And I was also thinking of it as repertoire. And then I like tried to find the repertoire agenda and saw that it wasn't called that. And I was like, (laughs) okay, Abby wouldn't let us call the episode that. And she's probably right. Okay. So uh, Matthew, let's talk about memory lane of like go-to meals in your family. So when I was growing up, up, I definitely remember the, the go-to meal that I that I most remember was roast chicken. Okay. Um, and it was neither my favorite nor least favorite. It was it was a, a thing that appeared. I remember it being like once a week. That might be an exaggeration. We would have to uh, get mom of the show, Judy Amster, to weigh in on that. And of course, you know, definitely I remember other stuff. But like when I think of like what was what was one of my mom's go-to meals when I was growing up? Roast chicken. And and just to just to make sure I understand, this is in the era before like store bought rotisserie chickens, right? Oh no, this was this was a home roasted chicken. Yeah, okay, okay, great. So and then what do you remember what she would serve with the roasted chicken? Oh gosh, always like some kind of vegetable side, like you know, it could be like uh, broccoli or like peas and carrots or uh, trying to think what like what popular forms of potatoes I ate growing up. I don't really remember. So did you guys, uh, d- did Judy go in for like uh, roasted potatoes with rosemary? Like one of those things that, that sort of made the, the rounds of uh, American menus and things in the 1990s, the early 90s. Yeah, I don't really remember that. No? Okay. Well, so I think roast chicken was also a, a go-to meal for my family. My dad would always roast the chicken. Oh, and he definitely bought into the idea of like rosemary roasted potatoes. 
So that was a thing. Oh, I see. So you introduced that just so you could like pay it off by talking about how your dad was a rosemary yeah. potato man. Yeah. Yeah, he was the inventor of Altoids. Uh-huh. He was an endive man and a <laughs> Do you rosemary think there are, like some people who like man. picked up like started listening to this show maybe like 6 months ago and and believe that your dad really invented Altoids? I hope so. Okay. I hope so. Um, remember, have you seen the movie uh, Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion? I have not. Um, I've seen it, I, I think I've only seen it once, but for a while, um, back when there were video stores, we used to always rent videos at Broadway Video at Broadway and Republican in Seattle, which uh, has been closed for many, many years because it was a video store. Mm-hmm. And every time we went in, they would always have Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion playing like on the TV, hanging from the ceiling in the store. It was oh, like God. their favorite movie. <laughs> yes, the TV hanging from the store in every video in every rental video store. store. Every, every yeah, one. the two movies I remember seeing played in the store were that and RoboCop. And uh, in Romeo and Mist- Michelle's high school reunion, they have to like come up with a story about like what cool thing they did uh, since graduating from high school um, because they don't have anything, and so they say that they invented post-its. Oh, awesome! Wow, <laughs> what a good thing to invent! Uh-huh. I love that. Okay, but back to my dad, yes. the the Altoids inventor. <laughs> so okay, so he had the the roast chicken and like rosemary potatoes meal, and then then after that, the chicken would get turned into usually like a. Big Big salad that we would eat the next night Mm -hmm. with his homemade vinaigrette. And so that was kind of like a one-two punch of of go-to meals. Oh, we're going to talk about one-two punches later. I, I like that term. Okay. And then my mom, I think of her go-to meal being this thing that I think she actually picked up from some diet she did in Mm -hmm. the early 80s. Like, I don't know if this was Weight Watchers or if this was like, I mean, my mom did all the weird diets, like the grapefruit diet. Nutrisystem? She did. I do think she did Nutrisystem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think Mm -hmm. my mom did Nutrisystem also. Oh, my God. Anyway, yeah, but what this was, uh, we called it breakfast for dinner. I think we've done a breakfast for dinner episode or something, right? But anyway, this was a frequent meal in our house, and it was steamed spinach, not even sautéed, steamed spinach with an over-easy egg and then grated uh, sharp cheddar cheese. Yeah, I remember you talking about this probably on the breakfast for dinner episode and, and me saying, like, if I had had this presented to me as a kid as breakfast for dinner, like, I would have done like, one of those divorced my parents things. Yes, yes. <laughs> I think back on it now, and I'm like, I mean, I actually liked it, but, like, my mom... It sounds- good to me now. Yes. My mom and dad would, you know, would like stack the things, right? As you can Mm -hmm. imagine, would make it taste better. Like, you know, the fried egg, you you get the yolk all up in the spinach and the cheese melts on top of the fried egg. No, I wanted it all in like separate piles, of course. But yeah, I remember liking this. And I have to say that uh, I am grateful for the way that it paved the way to uh, a lot of happy meals in adulthood for me of, of having a Eggs for dinner. Like, I love eggs for dinner. And we're going to talk about that a lot here in a second. So we often have eggs as a component of dinner, but but rarely as like the central thesis. Mm, Central thesis. (laughs) I don't know why I said that. Oh, okay. Uh, Anyway. (laughs) It's because we started by, we said repertoire a bunch of times. That's why. Do you have any other go-to meals from childhood? Because so, I, I just thought of another one. My my dad was was a steak maker, and I remember when we got a gas grill 
for the first mm-hmm. time. And so once we did that, grilling became a more frequent thing because it was easier to like light right. it up. Right. Um, and so my parents would get uh, some steak from like Costco often. And, uh, and my dad would grill the steak. And that was certainly a favorite of us kids. Do you remember what, what else you'd eat with the steak? No, I seem to have like really like vague memory of side dishes <laughs> like like the 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 main dish against. remains but the side dishes have have like faded into just like a blur at the edge of the plate this goes against like every magazine's thesis about thanksgiving well i mean i do remember the thanksgiving side dishes <laughs> Fine, <laughs> but fine. no, no. I, I see what you mean. Like, like side dishes are usually like better than the main course, right? Yes, yes. I think so. I, yeah, I do too. Rosemary uh, anyway. potatoes, for example, <laughs> one of sure. my favorites. Sure. I came up with it in like 1983. I can't even tell you the last time I bought rosemary. Like now, when I see it in a recipe, I leave it out because then everything tastes like rosemary. I think we have some rosemary uh, growing on our balcony. Oh, interesting. I mean, you do have to be judicious with it, but I do like rosemary. You know, I actually like it best of all, I think, like in breads or even in like uh, like crackers and things like that, as opposed to like, you know, I um, I have this wonderful um, like Italian soups cookbook. I can't think of the name of it right now. Is it now. called Wonderful Italian Soups? Probably. Anyway, but like every single recipe in it has rosemary. But if I leave out the rosemary, it's a delicious soup. And if I... <laughs> If I add the rosemary, it every soup tastes the same. Yeah, I know what you mean. I, I think of rosemary as like being essential for focaccia. Yes, I agree. I like this. Yes. It's weird okay. how this turned into the rosemary episode. <laughs> Wait, you mentioned Wait rosemary and now the whole episode tastes like rosemary. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. Okay, but wait, hang on. I just thought of another go-to yes. meal from my childhood. And this one I think of as being what my dad and I would eat when my mom was off somewhere else like at a, a like at a meeting or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so generally it would involve a hot dog in some form. So either <laughs> don't even start with me. Either okay. Either my dad would make what he called a hot dog omelet. My dad was very good at making omelets, uh, believe it or not. It, now that right I up have... until the point where he threw a hot dog. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, so he would cut up a hot dog into like little coins mm-hmm. and fold it into my omelet. And I thought this was like the greatest thing ever. Yeah, no, I would so, have thought that was like Nobel Prize level right? genius as a kid. Right? Yes. Anyway, um, so yeah, either there would be a hot dog omelet, we would have hot dog omelets or cheddar cheese omelets, but hot dog omelets, or he and I would just have hot dogs, no bun, hot dogs on a plate with baked beans, and of course he would get canned baked beans, mm-hmm. and then he would doctor the can of baked beans. As I think we may have discussed, maybe As we may have discussed, in a, he was in a, a doctor, and so he had a, a license <laughs> to doctor anything, including beans. As we may have discussed in like a baked beans episode or something. <laughs> Uh, yeah, my dad was a really good doctorer of canned baked beans. Mm-hmm. Now, however, whenever I buy... Was he baked- on call? Like, would his beeper ever go off and, like, somebody, like, you know, <laughs> Dr. Dr. Weisenberg, <laughs> we've got a, we, we, There's a code in the bean department. Oh, my God, Matthew. <laughs> good Lord. Anyway, um, it's interesting, though, now, because I think I buy the same brand of baked beans he did, but... Mm-hmm. I, I don't feel the need to doctor them. Like, I don't think they need anything. Yeah, like canned baked beans are pretty good. Right? Anyway, so, yeah, but a hot dog, like, on a plate next to a puddle of baked beans. And and that would be our, like, go-to meal when my mom was out. Yeah, still sounds pretty good. 
And it's interesting because it kind of makes it sound like my dad, like maybe, you know, was sort of one of those dads who doesn't usually cook. And yeah, so I mean, my it mom. It does sad, sound like sort of like a sad divorce dad meal. It but does. Like, <laughs> right. But, but because my dad was usually kind of like a fussy cook who used like endive and things right. like that. That's right. This was actually like really this felt really special to me that this was the meal he and I could share. OK, well. Do you think we should play like the the like moving forward in time uh, noise, like the wind chimes that bring us up to the present day and what and our? Is uh, it like? Yeah, I think it's exactly like that. Yeah. Okay, okay. Abby, Abby, okay. pull out your uh, your soundboard and play that noise. <laughs> what do you make today? As uh, when you think of like, how do we want to define go to meals? Is it like how frequently it appears in your rotation? Is it like kind of the things you can make with like the minimal mental energy or without a cookbook? Yeah. Okay. So for me, I think it's it's like one of three things or sometimes all three. Uh, either it's something that I've made so many times that I don't need a recipe and mm-hmm. it just feels easy and like, like brainless. Yeah. Or it is something that I almost always have the ingredients for right. and so like can kind of throw together. Or it is just something that is so popular, we make it all the time, and maybe I still need a recipe for it, uh, but like, you know, it's really popular in our household. Okay. Yeah. I like that definition. So, Matthew, how about we sort of tack back and forth based on like like the the actual dish? So, for instance, uh, the first one I want to talk about is beans and greens. And if you have something that's at all related to this, then you could talk about that. Afterward? I don't think I do. So go ahead, kick kick us off with beans and greens. Okay. So um, this is like there. Are, so this. Wow. <laughs> Let me try to get <laughs> yeah, this, a sentence. This out. has left you speechless. <laughs> Okay, so Molly Stevens, who is a cookbook author and cooking teacher based in Vermont, I believe. For right? just a second there, I thought you were about to talk about yourself in the in the third person. Like Molly, uh, Molly loves Weisenberg. <laughs> Molly Stevens published many years ago now this great book called All About Braising, which is one of those cookbooks. Like I tend to think of braising as this concept where, like, once you learn how to braise, like, uh, you don't need a whole cookbook about it. However, this cookbook is brilliant, and I yeah, use it all the time. I'm looking at it right now. It's on my shelf right in front of me. It's so solid. Anyway, uh, Molly Stevens in there has a recipe that I believe she calls like um, braised escarole with cannellini beans or something like that. It's in the, the front section that has like bra- vegetable braises. Well, so over time of making this dish, we have sort of altered it slightly to make it our own. And we now call it just beans and greens. Mm -hmm. It is my child's favorite meal, hands down. She asked for it for her birthday dinner on her seventh birthday. Wow. I still, like you've mentioned this so many times on the show and like... It never gets any more believable. Yeah, right? Anyway, so basically what you do is you cut up a head of escarole. If you don't have escarole, I use chard. If you don't have chard, you can use kale, but then my kid won't like it. Okay. Escarole, uh, basically, you know, you've softened some sliced garlic and olive oil, a little bit of red pepper flakes. You put the escarole in there. You let it wilt. Molly Stevens uses dried beans that she has, you know, cooked separately. I always use canned beans 
And instead of cannellini, I always use chickpeas Mm -hmm. and I just drain them and rinse them. And once the escarole is wilted, dump in like two cans of drained and rinsed chickpeas and a cup of chicken broth. And I just use better than bouillon chicken broth. Dump in a cup of that. Put the lid on, let it ride for 20 minutes, and then finish it with lemon juice. And we eat that either with like some sort of potato, like roasted or boiled potatoes. Maybe with a little rosemary. Or more often just with bread. And you finish it with a drizzle of olive oil. And you can serve it a little bit stewy if you want, or you can let more of the chicken broth sort of cook off at the end. But it is so easy. We always have beans in the cabinet. We always have garlic. We always have olive oil. And so if we've got a head of escarole, like, boom, we're set. Okay. So speaking of heads of things. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Where are we going to go here? (laughs) Head cheese. No. Stir-fried chicken with cabbage. Tell me more. That, to me, is like my quintessential go-to meal. So we usually have a cabbage, some some proportion of a head of cabbage in the the crisper drawer. I think currently we have three quarters of a head of of Taiwanese cabbage. I have the same amount of the same type of cabbage. (gasps) (gasps) This is so exciting. I've never felt closer to you. Oh, my God. um, This is so touching. Let's let's do it. Let's get married. (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) Listeners, we're finally going to do it. We're going to get together our two three-quarter heads of cabbage and smush them together. (laughs) And make uh, a family that that comes together around one and a half heads of cabbage all smooshed together. And we're not going to, like, break up with our current spouses because they're great. No. We are going poly, poly cabbage. Yeah, we're going poly cabbage. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So I will take some chicken thighs and uh, cut them into like half inch cubes and cut the cabbage roughly into chunks and then stir fry the chicken and cabbage with, uh, you know, always, always some combination of garlic, ginger and scallions, whatever, whatever sauce I feel like more, you know, usually something a little spicy. I'll put in some, uh, some Sichuanese uh, chili bean paste or, mm. uh, or another mm-hmm. type of, of uh, Chinese chili paste. Sometimes, sometimes I'll take it in, in more of a Thai direction with fish sauce, but uh, typically, typically pretty much like Chinese home style stir fry. Awesome. Um, and, do you uh, do you um do you have a recipe you've written up for this, or is this really just something that you just wing it? It is really something I just wing it. I can talk okay. through the whole thing in less than a minute. Well, you, you know, just did. Yeah, uh, I cook the cook the chicken first and set it sear the chicken first and set it aside. Then do the the cabbage and uh, and the aromatics. Uh, toss the chicken back in, pour in the sauce, and uh, you know just uh, make sure everything's hot and serve it. God, that's awesome. Love that. With lots of rice. Yes. Okay. Well, hold on. So speaking of rice, 
So we tend to, whenever we make rice, and maybe this is the case for everyone in the world who makes rice, uh, we try to make lots of extra. So Ash grew up in a household. Ash's father is um, from South Korea. And when Ash was growing up, there was always, you know, a rice cooker full of rice on the counter. Mm-hmm. I am amazed that Yeah, that, Ash, that beeping you heard in the background a few minutes ago, that was, was our your rice, uh, rice cooker. cooker. <laughs> well, here's the thing with Ash's family's rice cooker. They would leave rice in it for like three to four days and it would be like cold rice and they would scoop it out and eat it and no one ever got food poisoning. And I am shocked by this. Yeah, that doesn't seem like the best way to do it. Right? Anyway, but anyway, so um, Ash has over time convinced me because I I often find that rice that's been in the fridge for like more than a day, I don't really want to eat. It's kind of dry and stuff. But then it's time to fry it. Well, I know. But then what if it's been in the fridge for like three or four days? Then it's like really dried out. Do you still fry it? Oh, you totally can. Well, I know I do. But I'm often like, this rice is really old. But but like when when rice is so is so old that it and like dried out that it has kind of a crumbly texture. That's when it makes the best fried rice, I think. Oh, okay. I'm learning a lot right now. And if it's like, if you know, if it's picked up a little like, you know, like fridge, fridge aroma, like that is going to be completely masked by the seasonings. That's true. That is absolutely true. Okay. Well, anyway, so we have a lot of dinners where it's sort of just like uh, rice. I know this is going to sound very boring, but rice with a fried egg on top mm-hmm. and some furikake for the the other two members of my household. I usually add togarashi to mm-hmm. mine. And then whatever kind of vegetable we have in the fridge, we roast and throw on top of it. So sort of a very minimal rice bowl. And then with the leftover rice, of course, we make fried rice, mm-hmm. what you were just saying. And um, and I have found, um, well, I think I found last year, but this, this is really solidified for me during this COVID lockdown. I my favorite sort of flavor combination for fried rice comes from this wonderful cookbook called Repertoire, which is <laughs> oh no, you said it again. I know I said it again. Anyway, it's by Jessica Badalana, who is a really uh, wonderful cook and cooking teacher now based in Portland, Maine. And she, what she seasons hers with, uh, in addition to soy sauce and and scallions and all all of the important things, she uses this stuff called Golden Mountain seasoning sauce. Have you ever used it? I am familiar with it. I I don't think I've ever used it myself. But it's like it's like a Maggie seasoning type of of like soy sauce analog. Exactly. Sort of. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And it is like. For me, it is like the flavor of the fried rice of my childhood. I um, think I'm, this sounds good, and I'm going to add some of this to my next Awajamaya order. Yeah, I really like it. It just, it tastes like fried rice in a Chinese-American restaurant. Yes, okay. Uh, and I'm really into that. So anyway, yeah, Jessica Badalana's cookbook, Repertoire, it's basically the companion cookbook to this episode of Spilled Milk. And anyway, I love her her ingredients list and seasonings for fried rice. Uh, Teenager, the show Iris is in the background preparing fried, like getting, drying out the rice for some fried rice as we speak. Hey, speaking of which, does Iris just lay it out on like a sheet pan and let it cool? That is exactly what's happening right this second. Yes, yes. Okay. okay, Further updates as events warrant. So talk about your fried rice. 
I love Chinese sausage and fried rice, lap chong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, like, take a, a link of that and and chop it up and kind of uh, just throw it in the pan with the with the aromatics. I like to get plenty of high heat on my fried rice. And I like mm-hmm. I like fried rice that is really well broken up and like like each grain of rice kind of has gotten like kind of encased in oil and gotten a little bit of char on it. Okay, Matthew, hold on. I find this so difficult to do. So you and I, we also need to say for the listener, both you and I are cooking on very run-of-the-mill electric stoves. Mm -hmm. And I find it really challenging to make fried rice that actually gets like crispy and and the like coated grains like you're talking about. So I use a flat bottom. Flat bottom. Flat bottom. (laughs) I use, use a flat bottom wok, high heat, get the oil smoking before I put the rice in and make sure that the rice has really been like sitting out and is dry and it's not going to like cool things down by releasing a bunch of water when I throw it yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's that's all there is to it. I think I need to get a new wok. And also I... and also let it sit. And you don't have to like keep it moving constantly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I find that like if I kind of spread out the rice and kind of press it up against the, you know, the base and the and the, the lower walls of the wok. If we keep going through our things at this with this level this is of gonna detail. Be our three hour this episode. is going to be a three hour episode that's like every episode at once. Great. Okay. Terrific. Let's go on to the next one then. Okay. Matthew, how do you make burgers at home? I see we both make burgers as a repertoire meal. First of all, you can listen to our burger episode, which is some (laughs) previous episode. It's okay. We'll link to it in the show notes. Okay. The other night, I made the best burgers I've ever made. You did? It just, everything came together. It was partly like having the right ingredients on hand. But okay, I made my own burger buns from the King Arthur Flour Beautiful Burger Buns recipe. Okay. Uh, I ground the meat myself in the in the KitchenAid food grinder attachment, beef chuck. I made some uh, grilled onions and I had some leftover homemade barbecue sauce from friend of the show, Kenji Lopez-Alt. Dear uh, God, Matthew. Ho- homemade pulled pork, like oven pulled pork recipe. And so so I made cheeseburger and we had uh, American cheese. So so it made cheeseburgers with Dear grilled God. onions and homemade barbecue sauce on homemade buns. And like, I don't think we even need to hear about your burgers at this point. Matthew, I just want to say that if the, the, what what the hell is a like go to meal for you if it involves making every step from scratch? Well, uh, that's fascinating to me. Uh, that that is not like how, how I make you burgers. Usually most do of the time. it. So usually okay. usually okay. it'll be like whatever ground beef is in is in the freezer. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. And uh, like the you know dollar nineteen for eight uh, buns. Like yes. QFC brand. <clears throat> yes. Uh, okay. American cheese and that's it. Great. Okay. Maybe some A one sauce. That what, that is my go to burger. What I have been doing is much more like that. Um, it is like a like a almost like a smash burger type thing. Oh, where yeah. yeah, we just take whatever whatever meat we've got. I usually have like uh, Franz hamburger buns, which I like because they get nice and squishy. Oh yeah. And I love things that are nice and squishy. <laughs> Me too. And uh, and yeah, I'm not trying to make it like rare or medium rare. I'm just trying to get some nice, uh, you know, color on the outside and they come together so fast. There's a great recipe uh, on New York Times cooking that we can link to. I think they call it like diner hamburgers or something. Okay. Yeah. But it's a it's a good like template for just really quick stovetop kind of smash burgers. Okay. So speaking of ground meat, I'm really nailing these segues today. 
like one of our biggest go-tos is burritos or tacos with like, uh, you know, crispy shell tacos with homemade taco meat, which we talked about at mm-hmm. length on, I think, the ta- hard taco episode and the taco salad episode. Okay. Uh, and homemade salsa usually. But okay. if we don't have homemade salsa, jarred salsa is fine too. And then the next day, we'll take the the leftover salsa and make chilaquiles. Oh, your one-two punch. One-two punch. Okay. You know, one thing I noticed as I was making this list of my go-to meals is that the majority of our go-to meals in our household are vegetarian. Ah, which is, ours are not. Which is not something that I consciously think about. It's just sort of the way it's happened. For instance... Our favorite pasta to make at home, which, again, I always have the ingredients for, is cacio e pepe, which is, uh, you know, just uh, generally some sort of a long noodle. Uh, and again, this is <laughs> You're like, generally some sort of a long noodle. <laughs> this is an Americanized version. This sure. is not... I, I don't want to get into talking about what it, what it would be like if we were actually eating this in Rome. Um, we make it with spaghetti, pecorino romano, freshly cracked black pepper, and then the the recipe that I use, which again is from Jessica Badalana's cookbook repertoire, uh, does use some Parmesan cheese, which I, I know is sacrilege to some. Mm-hmm. So yeah, mixture of those two cheeses is how I like it best. It is so good. My child calls it our macaroni and cheese. Oh, nice. And I love it. It's so <sighs> fast and I always have everything for it and it pleases me immensely. Okay, I feel there are two different segues I could call upon here. Like, Oh, what like, are you going to do? What are you going to do? Okay, I'm going to, speaking of long Americanized pasta dishes, uh, there are two spaghetti dishes that we make regularly that, uh, that are favorites. One is uh, spaghetti carbonara, which we make in a very non-Italian sort of way in that uh, we cook it in a skillet and it has cream in it, but it is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also usually just use like bacon, rather smoked bacon rather than pancetta, pancetta. or guanciale. Yeah. Uh, and then we make this uh, dish called uh, Salerno style spaghetti, which is um, spaghetti with uh, lots of um, garlic and olive oil and black pepper uh, that is then topped with a fried egg and, uh, oh, and, and Parmesan cheese and topped with a fried egg and lots of crispy breadcrumbs. Oh, that sounds it's really so good. It's so great. And like when I say lots of crispy breadcrumbs, I think I think we usually double the the we make a recipe for that's supposed to serve four and double the amount of breadcrumbs and that's what we eat for three people. Oh my god, would you share this recipe please? I think I think I can do that. Okay. All right. There was another segue that you were going to get to oh, from Cacio e Pepe. Or alternatively in another universe, speaking of our macaroni and cheese, Baked pasta in the style of Al Forno restaurant, which we talked about a lot yes. on the Krusty Corners episode. Yes. I, I want to finish out my list of go-tos um, with with sort of the, the simplest ones. I mean, actually, all of these are quite simple. But so a- as I said earlier in the show, we do a lot of eggs for dinner. And lately, something we have been doing... Does your household have a whole bunch of like sort of uh, dumb like names for different egg preparations? I think you could say, does our household have a whole lot of like dumb kids hanging around? I was like, it used to. (laughs) No. So, okay. Whenever we make fried eggs, we've only recently started calling them fried eggs. We used to call them flat eggs. I remember that. That was so great. That's what June used to call them. So, but I was a little bit sad the other day. We made a list of like, 
So June is just beginning uh, orthodontia, and she has to eat soft foods. And so we made a list of soft foods, and I was really sad that what she wrote on it was fried eggs, oh, not flat eggs. not flat eggs, We've yeah. No, I remember corner. one time I came to your house, and you made June flat eggs. I love the term so much. So lately, we've been eating a lot of, of cheesy eggs, which, you know, obviously this, this name is not unique to us. <laughs> uh, but anyway, scrambled eggs with some Tillamook sharp or extra sharp cheddar mm-hmm. folded in at the very, yep. very end. I love these with nice amount of cracked black pepper. I think I'm going to have that for lunch. Like of all the things we've talked about so far, like that seems like the most accessible that I could throw together for lunch. And yeah, it's going to yeah. Happen. Well, so okay, a dinner I've been throwing together lately is cheesy eggs, which you know I'll make that on the stove. Throw a pan of bacon in the oven. So uh, bacon, cheesy eggs, and then either a big salad of like whatever greens, Mm -hmm. cucumber stuff we have, or, you know, a whole bunch of like uh, blanched green beans tossed with whatever, you know, seasonings and stuff. So yeah, cheesy eggs and bacon plus vegetable has been like a once a week dinner for us lately. That sounds very good. You could almost call that breakfast for For dinner. For dinner. The other thing that I, I personally find so satisfying is I think Elizabeth David uh, once wrote about like the pleasure of eating an omelet with a salad and a glass of red wine for dinner. Yes, I know she talked about that because we did like a 12 minute bit about it a few, a couple months ago. I don't remember that. (laughs) It was about which books, what book she wrote after that. I enjoyed that bit very much. Uh, I hope someone else did too. I don't know. But anyway, left to my own devices, like my go-to meal, I think for at least most of the summer, like warm weather months, would be scrambled eggs, cheesy or not, and like a big salad, red wine, and some sort of bread. I did not eat enough breakfast this morning. I had just like a small commercial yogurt. I'm so sorry, Um, dude. I'm getting so hungry. I want a scrambled egg. I, I'm gonna have lunch. Like, I also I'm starting work at like eleven, so I think I'm gonna have lunch of cheesy eggs at like ten fifty. Wait, I want to say one other one Please other ve- one other vegetable. Sorry, I wasn't I wasn't trying to shut down the show, but I sort no, of no. You were trying to shut down the show. I know what you were doing. So, in general, um, I am a big fan of like just roasting whatever vegetables we have. I think we talked about roasted kohlrabi recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, roasted cabbage. Anyway. I I occasionally will cook vegetables on the stovetop. I don't do it all the time. But one of the things that I love to do is a recipe from Rachel Roddy, who is um, a British food writer who lives in Rome. Mm-hmm. And she wrote Third this recipe. Third cousin of Rowdy Roddy Piper. I think I said that last time also. <sighs> she wrote this recipe on her blog a million years ago. Um, I just think of it as Rachel's zucchini. But you basically slice zucchini into like quarter inch thick coins. While you're doing that, you are sort of softening a couple of whole garlic garlic cloves in olive oil. Mm -hmm. And then you fish the garlic cloves out. So you've got this garlic scented olive oil. You cook the zucchini until it's like nice and brown on each side and soft. And then you tear a whole bunch of fresh basil on top and eat it. Wow. That sounds like that sounds so different from anything that I ever make for dinner, but also sounds good. Like I would like you to make it for me someday. Yeah. It's very like what I would cook for dinner. It is. So and yeah, that's, that, that's good. Like if and, we if we made a list of like uh, you know a dish and like who makes it, Molly or Matthew, I think our listeners would get a hundred percent. Oh, big time, big time. We should do that sometime. Yeah, for we our should. Listeners. It's like like we why do should we get to take all the quizzes? That's true. That is true, Matthew. 
Okay, wait. Do you have like one more thing you want to say, and pizza. then we'll wrap up this marathon? It's pizza. just pizza. Pizza. Usually it's... pan pizza because I think that's the best pizza you can make at home. I'm making some Detroit pizza this week. It's going to be great. Yeah, go back and listen to what was the episode where we talked it about was pan Detroit pizza. pizza. Oh my gosh. So that pan pizza that you make is so good. And I have said to myself so many times. Self. Self. Make that Detroit style pizza. And I never do it because I just like I, I, I don't do a whole lot of multi-step cooking these but days. Really, you just have to like get the crust ready I a know. day or two before. I mean and uh, and like the rest is it just comes together in a few minutes. I know. Like and oh. like the day you're gonna Maybe make I'll it, you have the it. crust just sitting in the fridge. And like you know, you're gonna. Other than that, you're gonna spend like eleven minutes on dinner. You're so right. I, okay. I'm so I even right. Have, I even have yeast in the fridge right yeah. now. Like, okay, I, all right, fine, I'll do it. Great. Okay, so uh, so we're cabbage buddies. We're Detroit pizza buddies. We're soon gonna be Detroit pizza buddies. That's that's gonna we're, be like our honeymoon. We're burger eaters. <laughs> we're burger eaters. <laughs> that that's what really what makes us unique is that we both we're both <laughs> fond of burgers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Okay. That's what brought us together originally for the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We also we also apparently both like cheese and eggs. Yes. Um, all right. You can find us at spilledmilkpodcast.com and uh, facebook.com slash spilledmilkpodcast where, you know, we want to hear what what's your number one go-to meal. Yeah, please tell us because we, I, I feel like I've learned so much about what the potential of everyday cooking from you. Maybe you're going to start cooking zucchini like I do. <laughs> That that I feel like that's uh, that's like something you would say like in a very formal interview or a eulogy. Oh, geez. Well, Matthew, you know, for your birthday, which hold up, your birthday's tomorrow, Matthew. Yeah, it was it was also tomorrow in a previous episode because we rearranged the episode oh. order. But that's fine. Like my birthday can always be like the day after you're listening to the episode. Oh, great. Okay. Because then like people will just keep sending me like, you know, birthday greetings and, and like nude selfies and stuff. Well, hey, everybody. Matthew's birthday is August 28th. I have been preparing for Matthew's birthday a list of all the things Matthew has done for me. I was joking about the nude selfies. Don't do that. Anyway, one of, one of the not, things not that i Not in like I'm, a shaming sort of way, just like I don't need them. And I plan to use this list of things that Matthew has done for me as a, a springboard to my eulogy for Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Oh, wait. <laughs> So, so like people who are, who are like, uh, you know, <laughs> attention detectives, <laughs> like I know, I know you've been, a, you've been compiling evidence since episode one of like, um, that Molly's intent to Molly kill intent, Matthew. Molly's intent to murder me. I think like that was the case, this case just broke wide open. It did. Uh, you're welcome detectives. All right. You found us wherever you found us. And you found you can us where leave you found us, us. You can leave us a review if you want. Apparently it's helpful. That's what they always say on That's podcasts. That's what they always say. Uh, what's definitely helpful is our producer, Abby Circatella. We could not do this without Abby Circatella. And until next time, our beepers are going off. There's some sort of uh, bun emergency. What? Never mind. <laughs> um, <laughs> what the heck was that? <laughs> Remember earlier, like your your dad would get called away to like a bean emergency because he oh, was a yeah, bean doctor. But it wasn't a but bun was, emergency. <laughs> I was trying to think of another food, so I wasn't just saying the same thing again. But like bun emergency could be like an actual doctor thing. <laughs> I'm Molly Weisenberg. <laughs> oh no! And I'm Matthew Amsterburton. I got these uh, vocal pastilles that opera singers use called Vocal Zone.
Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.